0: Welcome to episode 77 of Connectivity. I'm Scott Thompson. We've got three segments for you today. Uh, kicking things off is a listener mail slash what we've been playing segment with myself, Mike Swens, and Zach Miller. Uh, after that, we have a discussion of retail versus digital games. That's with Tyler Olu, Josh Max, and Zach Kaplan. And then rounding out the show, we have a segment about the most recent Castlevania game with Neil Ronahan, Nate Andrews, and Zach Miller. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this mail slash what we have been playing
1: segment of Connectivity. I'm Scott Thompson. Uh So today we've got with us Zach Miller. The word of the day is fergalicious. <laughs> I be up in the gym just working on my fitness. I have a hard time imagining you in a gym ever. And right, Mike Slens.
0: Too. I
2: want to take you for a ride in my spaceship coop.
0: What was, yeah, I saw you tweeting that too. That, There's Justin a song
2: Timurlake? title on the new Justin Timberlake album, and it, this song is literally about him wanting to take a girl on a romantic trip in his spaceship, which only seats two people.
0: Of course
1: it does. <laughs> I'd go. That's all I'm saying. Hey, I would. Hey, Mike. I'd do it. Hey, Mike. What? The, the spice must flow. <laughs>
2: I guess we could get to Arrakis on our, in our spaceship coupe. Yeah.
0: Some Dune references for those who are following along at home. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, we've got one email to read today. And then after that, we're just going to talk about games we've been playing recently. Um, cause hey, why not? Um, so the email we got, uh, is from good friend, uh, Donald Shaman. You probably know him as one or the other. Uh, host of N, I always get this NFR, right? Nintendo yep, Free Radio. Nintendo yeah. Free radio. NFR. I always stumble over that. The internet's and, Longest
1: um, podcast.
0: It could be, yeah. It could be, <laughs> and um, here is what he wrote. So, uh he says, "Hello, connected ones." So, there's been a lot of hubbub recently about games that are always online, such as S City. No, that'd be too obvious. <laughs> well, he says, "No, that'd be too obvious. Let's call it Sim C." And the reviewing of games when they inevitably break day one. Since there aren't any games NWR would review that would require DRM for essentially single-player games yet, this hasn't come up. But has there's has this been talked about by staff if, say, SimCity or Diablo 3 got a Wii U port and still required online? Would it result in a score deduction or would the review simply be delayed until the service reached a point of sanity? Uh, thanks for ta- taking the question and hopefully we never have to put the answer into practice. <laughs> um, yeah, what do you guys, what do you guys think about all this polygon nonsense Man, it's with fucked up. adjusting reviews?
2: <laughs> it's, just, it's, I'm, on real uh, level, I'm, like, I don't have any vested interest in SimCity, so I'm really happy to just watch it burn. Yeah, yeah. me too. Because I don't like the idea. Like, I can understand with Diablo where the game was notorious for being hacked, and if you require an online always connection, then you can always check to make sure people aren't breaking the game, basically. Right. But no, that doesn't seem like it would ever be a problem with SimCity because there's no competitive loot hoarding aspect of the game. It's, it's a single-player game. Diablo can be played single-player... But the problem is you could take those characters online and you could hack the shit out of them. So it makes sense to store that kind of shit on the server where you can't get to it and cheat. But that was not that's not an issue with SimCity, so there's really no reason for it. So really, it's just a fuck you to the consumer. So I'm, like I said, I'm happy to watch it burn.
0: Yeah, no, I, I will say there is some online components to the game, like there are basically sort of leaderboards you can follow along with, with what your are doing. But this is, is not doing.
2: something that you would need to be logged in no. 24-7 with. No, no. Back to I know. the server every half hour with your new score or whatever.
0: Right, no, you're right. It, it's not absolutely, um necessary in any way. I'm trying to look at, I think, trying to look at Polygon's review and see what it's what it's at now. It looks like it's at a function. 4, it. I think. Four. Well, was at a 4, I think they've... Used to oh, be a
1: 9-5, then an 8, now a 4. I'm surprised
0: it's still a four, because supposedly things are supposed to be actually working pretty well right now. Oh, so they're yeah, going yeah, to bump it back up? Well, yeah, that's, As that's they the should. idea, right? I think
1: it's a good policy. I think you should always revisit your reviews every time something improves or gets worse.
0: Well, I was going to say, that there's basically two parts to this question. I, I think we can talk about, A, you what you already started with, Mike, and that, that's this sort of always online uh Version of DRM, you know, to make sure people aren't stealing your game or, or cheating in unfair ways. And then there's the idea of these reviews that, that change or evolve to sort of reflect what's going on, uh, in these games. Um, as far as the always online stuff, I don't, I don't like it. Um, I think if it needed to connect every now and then just to, uh, you know, validate your copy, that'd be fine, but. But perhaps... that's
2: not fine, because that was a huge problem with Assassin's Creed on the PC. Which, it did that, and it blew up in their faces, and then they said, we're not going to do that again. Instead, we're going to do this thing that's
0: ten times worse. Well, oh, oh always having to be online, you're saying? Assassin's
2: Creed, it, Assassin's Creed, when it would boot up every time, it would report to a server, and the servers weren't. Even those servers, they couldn't get working right. Well, the yeah. same thing
1: with Dead Space 3, it's, it connects you to their network uh, uh, before you even start a single-player game.
0: Well, yeah, it, it connects through Origin, sure. Um, oh, is that what it's doing? yeah I mean it work it works oh wait wait, never mind you're playing on p s three but yeah. yeah it probably still it probably still works through through origin or connects to e a servers you know yeah. um I play on p c so obviously it right. connects through origin that's where you have to download it through um but i'm not i mean i'm not i'm not opposed to it i mean yeah, you had to figure your shit out and that seems weird to have server issues with what should just be a simple check? I mean, it just, it just, you know, checks to make sure you have a authenticated Well, copy the, the issue was that, like, in.
2: if you, if you wanted to take your laptop on an airplane, or, or maybe you were just somewhere where you don't have a Wi Fi connection, guess what? You can't play Assassin's Creed 3 because you can't get online. Right. Authenticate.
0: Yeah. Right, exactly. And, and so there needs to or be. Or then they need- were having
2: another issue where, like, it was phoning in, like, every now and then, so if you tried to save your game, it cloud saves, but if you'd lost your internet connection and you didn't know it, when you tried to, it would just kick you out and you'd lose all
0: your progress. Oh. Yeah. See- that's a problem. Oh. That that needs to be fixed. Like I, I I think of Steam, which it will always connect online, but there is an offline mode where you can still play your games. Um I think that's the way to do it. You know, it doesn't need to authenticate every time. I mean it should No, um
2: one time authentication when you install the game is expected, I think. But anything beyond that just seems like overkill.
0: Right or or it should have a a check thing where it's like okay we'll try to authenticate he's offline we can't do it now so it's like we'll try again next Maybe time Maybe you get like 3 strikes or exactly, some exactly. shit Exactly exactly it, it should let you know like okay you can play offline mode but like you need to connect online you know in the next yeah however many times you you decide to play the game or you even, I mean that's to play. bad
2: enough but at least it's better than what they're currently doing
0: Right and so this always online stuff is crazy because yeah you know you get disconnected and it sounds like you can't even like save your game like you lose progress um, and it's just a mess. And then with the influx of people immediately at release, I mean, it just crashed the servers, and so now no one could play. Um, and yeah, that that's a big problem. It's a very stupid way to handle DRM, and it doesn't do anything for the consumer. No, um, it just
2: makes the consumer want to pirate the game. Exactly. Sure.
0: Yeah, because who, who's going to spend the money to if risk I could, not i mean mean, you know If I was
2: a SimCity player, and I bought the game, and it wasn't working, and I found out I could download a crack to fix it and take it offline, I would do that immediately.
0: And you know that's probably already out there. Yeah, I haven't looked, but
2: I would I know they crack the Assassin's Creed thing really quick.
0: Yeah, they always do. So, yeah, it's just a very, very stupid, stupid thing to do. Um, yeah, the thing
2: to- with SimCity that you couldn't crack is that your city is literally on the server. Right. It's not locally stored.
0: Right. And then, um, I, I'll talk about it later, but I've been playing um, Heart of the Swarm, which is the, the most recent StarCraft II expansion, and you know with when diablo 3 came out there was a lot of server issue for those first couple of days um because it was the same thing like you had to be online and so a lot of people logging in at once wasn't working uh, and then it, you know got ironed out after a few days or up to a week it was fairly quick I, know, I think it was like a day or two. It, it, yeah out. you're probably right and then everything everything was fine um but with StarCraft, since there is the you know the single player campaign everything isn't stored online like your character and stuff um you can play offline which is great and and one cool thing i thought they did was in the last StarCraft 2 patch, they included all the data for the expansion. So when the game came out, if you had been already playing StarCraft 2, you didn't have to like download from a server. It just unlocked. Exactly. It's yeah. Nice. It just said, okay, you purchased the game. Now this stuff's unlocked. Go play. Which seems like a cool, like smart way to alleviate some of the server uh pressure. Obviously, still hosting a lot of games uh, can still wear on servers. But I mean, I've been playing it since yesterday when it came out, and have had no issue whatsoever. Um, and even if you can't get online, you can still play the single player, you just don't get achievements. It won't, it won't save any achievement progress, but you can still play the campaign, you know, all the way through. Sounds,
1: so so it's like playing Wii U.
0: Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I'm used to it, so I don't mind it. But yeah, it's been online, it's been working perfectly, so that was, uh, that was very good. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think about these evolving reviews then, that reflect changes to games?
1: That's such bullshit. You don't like it? No. You should review You should review the game as it's available to the public when it comes out. If it gets better over time, fantastic. Tell people in an editorial. What if it gets worse over time? <laughs> Tell people in an editorial. I guess, I mean, yeah, like as long as there's a way to address it. Like when Smash Brothers, um, maybe Smash Brothers is a bad example. Let me think.
0: Well, while well, you think, I'll say, I, I don't have a problem with the sort of evolving or changing review, because like, you're saying write an editorial, but, you know, if I just go to Metacritic and I want to, you know, play a game that came out six months ago, and then I see like, oh, like, a lot of people didn't like this game, it was very glitchy and buggy, like, I'm not gonna get it. But if I go and I see, oh, the scores have changed to reflect that there's a patch now, and all these problems that were problems on launch day are completely gone, it's but not does even does Metacritic issue change
1: its score from the initial score? Metacritic uh, aggregates scores.
0: Well, yeah, but it but it also has you know all the all the individual scores, and I think that was an issue. Polygon didn't know if it was gonna the SimCity review would change or not. So let's just pretend that it does, you know, adapt and, and ch- update the scores as they change on sites. So you know, I I think that's that's a good way of reflecting change. I think this change for the fact that the servers weren't working was stupid because you know it's going to be fixed like within you know a week or two. You know, it, it that that seems kind of I don't think it's fixed yet. I don't think it's gonna be fixed. I've I've heard I've heard people say they've been able to play it now. Like log on, no problem. Everyone's playing. I, I'm pretty sure the server issue is like no more. Mm. Okay, well, I, I as of like Sunday night, I, I remember people tweeting like, "Yeah, I've logged on and played, and this game is awesome." Mm. So I think it's getting better, or is is already like working pretty well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, changing the score because of an influx of people in the first few days of launch just seems, but they, just seems silly. They
1: they must have known that one server wasn't going to satisfy launch day demand. Who, oh, EA or something? EA, or Maxis, or whoever it is. Just like that Diablo 3 debacle when that launched. Oh my god, this game is popular? Holy shit!
0: It always happens. (laughs) Yeah, it does. I mean, even when Steam launched, that was a huge clusterfuck at first, because Half-Life 2, everyone wanted to get it, and then you had to have Steam, and... It wasn't working for a while, and then now Steam's amazing, you know, I mean, my opinion of Steam, that first launch day of Half-Life 2, and then now is, I mean, it's night and day.
1: So, okay, so how about this? How about this? If a game's gonna be DRM, why don't you not review it on day one? Why don't you wait a week or two?
2: I mean, if there's the thing is that, that's, that you get in that situation, well, if your review's two weeks late, well, then no one's going to read it, and then your site's not going to make any advertising money. Right, right, right it's right. all about the clicks. It's, yeah. it's 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 fucked. Everything's fucked, because you have to review it right away. And with a game like, you know, a game where it's where you could just play it offline, great, I could beat the whole thing, there's my review. But with a game like an MMO, like, most MMOs aren't reviewed the day they come out.
0: No, yeah. They're not, know. because
2: you have to understand that you need to play the game properly because it's an online game. It's, it's massive. It's the first word. And SimCity is kind of the same way in that everyone has to be online, so it's it's a massively single-player game or something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I mean, maybe that needs to be an industry-wide change. It'll never happen, but... It's it's a
2: games-as-services instead of a games-as-products right. thing.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: Buzzwords. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I I don't know. I I
1: think the fact that this is a problem at all is a problem. I mean, the server thing. Haven't we reached a point technologically and figuring things out logically where somebody releases Diablo three, and maybe we should put some servers online?
2: The problem is that
1: scaling is well, scaling
0: is a problem. Is the problem?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, they must know that ahead of time.
0: And I, I guess there's the, the the issue of well how much money do we want to spend on server space? yeah, when we don't like, know how much we're going to you need? can
1: always you can always take servers offline if your game is not as popular as you think, but then you've sunk all that cost into those servers.
2: What if you buy all those servers and you uh, you you buy too many servers and the game doesn't sell enough and you lose money on the game because you spend too much money on servers
0: right mm-hmm. So it's the issue of are we gonna lose more money by a really bad launch week before we launch another server? Or are we going to lose more money by having a lot of servers and then a lot of people don't pick up the game and we're stuck paying for these servers that no one's using? Um, I mean, I'm sure they could, in theory, use them for something else, but sure, those things sure. have a, a lifetime of you know,
2: a, an expiration date where those servers are eventually not going to be good for any game anymore.
1: But I will tell you this. Uh, I don't know if, if, if we're getting back to uh, Shaman's direct question. would it, Were I ever to review a single-player game on the Wii that required DRM, I would give it a lower score.
2: The thing is, we're never going to come into that situation because the games already have DRM. They're on the, the consoles, it's, the DRM is baked into everything. Right, because the kind of a wild west. Right, the the, con- right. Yeah, west. Right.
1: Right,
0: the, con- the consoles a controlled environment. I mean, Yeah, sure, the PC is not this- a
2: controlled environment, which is why you need all the DRM,
0: or right. why the companies think they do it. I mean, sure, like on, like on DS and 3DS, you've had flashcards and stuff. And you know you had the homebrew channel on the Wii, but like yeah. that stuff's so minute compared to the the, the rampant piracy on PC.
2: No one's going to be burning Wii discs because well they're curved, and where are you going to get curved well, Wii discs? Well, you know, those look at on? the
1: look at the PS3. When PSN went down, nobody could play online games for a month. Because so what I'm saying is, if Nintendo Network ever went down, and a game released that even single player required connection to the Nintendo Network. For whatever reason, I don't don't even care, I would mark it down. But you can't, I mean, that's like saying that
2: you're Wii broke, so you can't, like, it's not the problem with the game, the problem is with the the Nintendo Network, it's outside of the game entirely.
1: The game shouldn't require it, is what I'm saying. I would mark it down, because the game shouldn't require me to log on to the Nintendo Network to kill necromorphs.
2: This is a, this is obviously a hypothetical situation that will yeah, probably never
0: exist. Right. Well, of course, but but let, let's say then that month passes, Nintendo works up, and then you never again notice that it's even an issue. And now you've got this permanent review where you've taken off points for something that doesn't even exist anymore. I mean, you know, is that fair? Maybe. No, it's not. Situation. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, th- I this is why I'm in favor of reviews being able to change. In a positive way after launch, especially after some time, you know, because of a patch or because something something happens to make a game better or, or you know, or work uh, in a better way.
2: And maybe but, it would be better just to just to while the situation is still in flux, just remove the score.
0: Yeah, replace so. it
2: with something else. Just remove it and say, you know what? We're not confident in recommending this game right now, but it's not really the you know, it's not something that we think will be a long time standing issue. So as a disclaimer, we're going to temporarily remove the score. We will restore it. You know, instead of, cause changing the score, I don't know, it just, it's nothing, it's something I guess it's pretty new now, but it's created all this drama. I mean, it would create drama if you removed it too, but I don't think it would create as much.
0: And it's so stupidly subjective, I mean that that's the big thing is like watching this number fluctuate, so you give it a nine point five it's obviously an amazing game, and then after two days of, of not working properly, they dropped it to an eight, and I'm thinking like people can't even play this game and you drop it a point and a half, and then and then they cut that in half to four, and it's like they, well, ne- they never
2: should have dropped it to an eight, they should have dropped it right to the four.
0: I mean don't even draw I mean if you can't play the game, why is it not a zero? It should zero? be if it should be a zero, yeah. It really should be a zero. But on the seven,
2: listen, on the seven to ten review scale, four is as low as we get.
0: Right, exactly. It's so stupid. So like in the in the block of text it's like, yeah, no one can play this game. They disabled features to try to get it to work. It still isn't working. 4 out of 10. And that makes I mean it's like turning in not turning in an assignment in school and then the, your teacher's like, "Yeah, I'm going to give you an F, but like a 40% F, not a zero. <laughs> just, I mean, it's still bad, but it just doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't use the whole scale. So, I don't know. It's just stupid. So, I don't know, but I I'm in, I think I'm in favor of their idea in theory of fluctuating reviews to reflect changes to games, but
1: Did we did we change did we change our Sonic transformed review after the patch came out that made the game playable for multiplayer?
0: Uh no, I bet they didn't. I bet they didn't adjust it. There you this go. is I think as far as I know, this is the first instance of them actually changing a review. No, I'm yeah. saying
1: us. Oh, us. I'm well sorry. no, we don't do that. Exactly. Yeah, that's not our policy.
0: But we
2: might want to look at it. Yeah. There you go.
0: All right, well, that's enough of that uh, that topic, I think. Let's move on to games that are working that we've been playing. Yes! Um, you know, Mike, we, we've we been talking about it for quite some time, so let's get your final concluding thoughts on Paper Mario stickers. Which Sharo. I finally
2: beat. You ever do that thing where you're like, I'm going to beat 99% of this game and then
0: just put it away for, like, yep. almost There's a definitely month? definitely been times I've stopped near the end of
2: games. Do I have a sure. fear of finishing things? I don't know. Um... <laughs> No, so I did finally beat it. I mean, I sat down, and like 20 minutes later, because that's probably about how long it takes to do the final level. Uh, I beat it. Uh, I I really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun, though uh, I would not recommend playing it without a fact. It is... I mean, I played the whole game with a fact because of what, Scott, you said, basically, where you said, this game is unplayable. I never know what I'm supposed to do next. So I just looked up ahead what i was supposed to do next, pretty much, for the... I mean, not for the whole game. I would try and basically do it. Um, and then I would I would stop and look at a fact. And then it got to the point where I was needing lots of those thing thing stickers. And at that point, I started looking at the fact just because the fact I found had a list. When you start this level, these are the things you need to bring into it. And that's what I would... I wouldn't look at how to beat the level or anything. I would just be like, give me the list of shit I'm going to need to beat this level so I don't have to try and figure that stupid part out. And then I'm just going to beat the level. Because a lot of the thing stickers are like, you have no clue... There's like almost no hint as to when or where you're supposed to use them, and sometimes the only way to figure it out is to die trying. Mm-hmm. Like the final boss battle, you need to bring like seven different things into that fight, <laughs> and if I didn't know that precise list of things to bring in, I probably would have broken my 3DS in half.
0: Exactly. It's like you'd go, and then you, maybe you'd figure out one, and then you would yeah, die. And think it's a
2: five-phase battle, so like you go in, oh, you need tape for the first phase. Okay, well, I died figuring that out. Next phase... Well, I have the tape, but now I don't know. And you don't know how many phases are going in if you've never played the game. There's five of them. Fuck that, man. <laughs> and and it'd,
0: it'd be one thing if you always had things, stickers with you. Like, if they were in a separate inventory and they were just always there, you could use them as many times as you want. so oh, that would you, be could, great. Like, you could experiment and, like, try to figure it out. But the fact that you have a finite amount of space and you have to go and actually produce the things, You have to go all the way over there. Yeah, um, yeah, it's so stupid.
2: Yeah. So that that part got really grating on me. And then also, like, for the first two... Three whole worlds. I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to play the shit out of all these levels," and then even for the even for the ice world, kind of. But once I started getting to the jungle world at the end, I was just like, "I'm just going to avoid all these enemies," like because there's no benefit to fighting them. All you do is lose stickers, yeah, which is actually a detriment. You gain no experience, so there's no benefit to fighting. It's all. It's only a
0: detriment. Mm-hmm, yeah, I mean, I think you you know you'll get a reward of coins and stuff like that, but I mean, all that really does is just replenish the sticker- stickers you've used. So you're or, right, you use. So you it helps just... you run the battle
2: spinner, which you would only need if you were actually getting into a lot of battles. <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. Yeah, really, really bizarre system there. I wish the there would have been experience or some sort of leveling up mechanic because it really does. Even, take yeah, away... even
2: if, if it was tied to just Mario's health. Yeah. Just that. But no, instead you just have to find health items. So I used a FAC. <laughs> yep,
0: exactly. Yeah, because you're going to need them. You have to get them. Yeah, you
2: need them. You definitely need them. So yeah, instead I just used a FAC to find the health items. and if There's no benefit at all to, to fighting the, the, the enemies that you wander through. I mean, a, the, the only benefit is that the battle system is genuinely a lot of fun. But, which is why I played it for like the first four and a half levels. I, I really enjoyed playing all the battles and then by the end of it I was just like nope.
0: Right, especially once you know you're getting to the end. You're just like, okay, I just want to be done with this. Because it's such a guided experience because you are using a guide to play yeah. it because yeah. you kind of have to. Yeah,
2: but I was glad I did because I really enjoyed it. It's funny and it's it's fun. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Fun. Don't play it without a fact.
0: Yeah, I think it's well written and it's inventive in a lot of ways. I enjoyed it. It's beautiful to look at. The music. Yeah, the music is great. Um, It's just a shame. they They had this thing mechanic that just sort of weighs the whole experience down.
2: Yeah. God, the music is so good. It makes Isn't New it? Super Mario Bros. U sound like, like a fourth-grade concert or something. That's what I'm saying. It, uh,
0: it's just clever. A lot of like interesting takes on like classic tunes, and then even just some original music. It, it's so good. Just put that music in the New Super Mario Bros. Yeah, I, I want a homebrew hack of that. So, um, yeah, So, okay. And then, and then you put The Cave, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm right? in the
2: middle of my second run through The Cave, since you have to play it at least three times to see all of it.
0: Yeah, to see all the endings. And did yeah. you know, apparently there's... Good and bad endings for each character? It seems like there might be, but I
2: can't figure out how to be anything other than despicable with all of the characters.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I was listening, I can't remember what I was listening to, but some people were talking about that, that, you know, one guy, like, all these bad endings, he just assumed that's how it was, you know, that that's just everyone's bad. And then, you know, it turns out you can not actually get good endings for all these characters. But yeah, I I don't know. I've wow. never played the game, so I'm not sure.
2: Oh man, I'm going to have to look that up, because it's, I don't see, I don't see any way to to do that. I mean, it seems like they set the whole premise up of, like, what deep, dark secrets are you going to find down inside yourself in the cave, so I just assumed that everyone was despicable after, like, the first
0: two of them were despicable. Right. Maybe it has something to do with, like, beating it with each character or something. You know, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so I
2: played through... I didn't realize that I did this, but the first time I played through it, I used all three of the male characters, and the second time I played through it, I'm using all three of the females. And then there's the twins, which is... One of each. Oh yeah, yeah. So I just I didn't realize that I was just like I want to pick the hillbilly, the knight, and uh, the monk because I thought that was a weird combination. Like just I was picking based on their classes. Did not realize that I was accidentally being a misogynist.
0: <laughs> sure. So how's actually playing it? I mean, it's are you, are you I really like
2: it. it. Uh, I'm I I I, uh, I played the demo and I enjoyed it, which is what sold me on it because I'm not usually into adventure games, but it's it's very much or a, very much an adventure platformer. Like, and it's puzzles, and, like, I feel, I don't know, it doesn't quite feel like like an old-school adventure game. Like, I thought it was going to be, because it's Tim Schafer and Ron Gilbert. I just assumed it was going to be, like, very similar to Maniac Mansion or something. Uh, but it's, it's or Monkey Island, it's I, but it's not. It's much more of a platformer. Like, you have to make jumps and stuff like that. But all of that adventure puzzle stuff, like, figured out stuff is all in there. And I, I for that one, I think I've only had to use a fact, like, twice the whole time. And it was just because I was, like so close to finishing something and I didn't want to let it go, but I didn't want to sit there for another 30 minutes and try and suss it out. But for the most part, I mean, I think I made it through the whole first playthrough without using a fact once. And then I think I've used it twice so far on the second playthrough, I think. it's I mean, the puzzles are really well designed to the point where it's usually like, you just got to think for a little bit and you'll piece it together. Like The visual cues are really well done so you can kind of see, like, yeah, this looks like something I might need to come back to or, yeah. or something
0: like that. And is it true, like, in the second playthrough, you get to skip sort of the general puzzles and just... Oh, you you don't? No.
2: Patrick had talked about that, but then he'd, at some point, he'd come back and said, oh, no, wait, that's not true.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow, okay. (laughs) Because I thought that was a really cool feature. It's not.
2: What what happened was that he didn't... I think what he didn't realize is that... um, the way the cave is designed, the whole thing is there, you can just only get to certain parts of it, and some of, there's there's like a dividing line, where there's like a general puzzle to get into the cave, and then there's a couple areas where it branches off for different characters, and then there's another general area, um, where you go through again, like no matter what. But the thing is, if you pick the right characters, you can basically skip the whole first area. Because like that's what ended up happening with, With me is that the first time I played through, two of the stories were in the top part of the cave, and then the third story was in the bottom part of the cave, but the second time I played through, it just turns out that all three of them are in the bottom, so it felt like I was skipping past that first part. I wasn't really, because that first part was just a bunch of branching paths that I couldn't have gone down anyway.
1: But the way the cave is laid
2: out, it feels like you're going through them and getting to new areas. But really, they've just built a whole bunch of shortcuts in around them for the characters that can't go through those areas.
0: Hmm.
2: I don't. know. It's, I guess it's kind of hard to explain.
0: No. So, yeah. No, that makes <laughs> sense. I get that. You
2: still have to do all three of those main puzzles. It's like the, the first time, the second time I went through, I did the first main puzzle and the second main puzzle back to back. There was nothing in between because there was none of my characters had stories that were in between them.
0: Huh. But uh, well, obviously the game's been good enough that you're that you want to play through twice. So
2: yeah, the first playthrough, I was like, this is enjoyable, and and it's funny. Like Ron Gilbert's writing is really twisted, and just, it's because you know you can see ahead of time, looking at the puzzles, like you can kind of start to figure out what the awful things you're going to do are, and then you're going to be like, well, I guess I have to do this awful thing. It's it's just, you know, it's like I'm playing Bioshock right now again. Yeah. You can either be you can either be good or evil. And right now, I'm being evil this time because I've already beaten it on good, but given any choice, if I'm in a game like Infamous, I play both of those, I was good both times, and I'm not going to play them again because they're too long to play again. But I kind of want to do the evil side, but I can't bring myself to do it because I don't know, I just can't. <laughs> so I always play good. So I enjoy this where it's basically yeah, it's forcing me to be evil, <laughs> so I, I kind of enjoy that about the game. It doesn't give me the choice, because if I had the choice to be good, like now you're telling me I have the choice to be good, I'm going to sit there and rack my brain and try and figure it out. Yeah. Because the good path is always harder.
0: Right. Yeah, Yeah. It it really is. Is. yeah because you, you can't just mercilessly kill everyone. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. But, so now that I'm basically forced to be despicable in, in the cave, I'm really enjoying it because I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to launch a nuclear missile and kill tens of millions of people.
1: <laughs> that's
0: awesome. You know, uh, speaking of playing uh, as an evil character, that's that's a decent segue uh, to what I've been playing this week, which is, as I already mentioned, um, Heart of the Swarm, the expansion to StarCraft 2. Uh Which is, in this expansion, it's the entire Zerg campaign, which are like, you know, if, if you've never played StarCraft. I and mean, they're basically, let's just, the analog would be like aliens from the Alien films, uh, in a way. And so you, this whole game features their campaign. Um, I, I guess neither of you have probably really played much StarCraft. I was I a make. huge
2: player of the original StarCraft. Oh, were you? Current, my current computer will not run StarCraft 2, which is the only reason I haven't played it. Oh, okay soon as I upgrade it, it's like the first
0: game I'm buying, so... Nice, you should, absolutely. And then, Zach, what about you?
1: Far outside my my wheelhouse. Yeah, I had a feeling.
0: Um, Well, Mike, okay, so you know. So in the original StarCraft, there was the the human character, Kerrigan, who's captured by the Zerg. and basically turned into... The Queen of Blades. Exactly, and she becomes their queen. And the whole crux of StarCraft Two, the Terran campaign, is um, Jim Raynor from the first game trying to rescue her, and 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 he finds a way that he can actually bring her back to being completely human. And um, I guess spoilers for StarCraft II. I mean, not that it's that huge of a deal, but yeah, he he does eventually he's able to do that. And so this game starts with you playing uh as the role of Kerrigan, who's now newly human, and she finds out pretty early on that. Um, well, her and Jim are together. They get separated in, in a battle and then she finds out via like a newscast that he's been executed or whatever for like treason against the, the Terran government, the human government. Damn. Um, which of course you don't actually see that. So, I mean, you just know he's not really dead. I mean, I haven't gotten that far yet, but come on. I mean, if it's not shown on screen, he's not dead. Like, let's be, let's be realistic. But, so she gets all angry and then takes control of the Zerg again. She's human. She's not Zerg, but she still has the ability to control them. And now she's like, Raising an army to go basically destroy the the dominion like the the majority of the human race as revenge um and so it's kind of interesting playing from that that perspective because I mean you're basically bad I mean you know why she's doing it, but you're playing is essentially the evil character in in the universe of starcraft um so it's it's kind of fun seeing it from that perspective, and there's still moments where she kind of shows her humanity like there's there's a level where Um, you're, you know, fighting this human force and there's a cinematic at the end where she confronts the general and he's, you know, stuck in this base. He's like been impaled by a spike or something, uh, some sort of shrapnel and he's stuck and he's pleading with her to, to call out the Zerg and let the survivors escape. He's saying like, they're so wounded now that they'd never be a threat to her anyway. Um, just let them go. They're like husbands and family and stuff like that. So just to let them go. And then she says, you know, he says, uh, you know, like what would Jim think of you now if he could see you? She freaks out, kills him, but then she does call off the Zerg to let the survivors escape. So it's kind of this she's sort of like battling with her humanity and then also her like new allegiance with the Zerg and becoming more and more Zerg like. So it's kind of, it's interesting. I'm enjoying it quite a bit actually.
2: Um now how's the actual game?
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, I mean as good as it's always been. It's you know, enough, I mean yeah. that yeah, the campaign's the usual mix of like levels where you have to go completely destroy the enemy base or you have to protect your base for a certain amount of time until you get evacuated or you or, have to make your way you know. across the map Exactly yeah. yeah or like you've got a limited number of units and you have to like yeah just reach a, a certain level on the map or a certain point on the map so it's it's the same you know normal stuff um there there's some cool ideas that they implement like uh there's one level where you're a larva and you basically go through like the whole life cycle uh from like larva to this huge like brood queen um, like, so first you're, like, sneaking and hiding in vents and stuff, um, from these Protoss forces until eventually you become big enough that, like, you actually, you know, then start attacking and killing everyone and destroy the ship and stuff, so that was kind of cool. Um, it reminded me of the a- AVP game on, uh, PC, the Alien vs. Predator game, where you start as, uh, a face hugger and, yeah, and then you have a chestburster until eventually you're a full-size alien and then you start fucking shit up, so definitely some uh some influence there. I had a
2: friend who was who just his his whole goal was to get really good as the alien cuz in multiplayer oh, really? if you were the alien and yeah. you were back on he used a trackball specifically for that game so he could spin around like a madman as the alien <laughs> cuz you can climb all over the walls and shit so he could just spin it and flip his whole perspective like immediately and he got so good as the alien he could nobody could beat him.
0: I never knew of anyone was really playing that game competitively. Like I played that game and I played online and stuff, but that's. Well, pretty I, mean, I guess core. we just
2: played it with each other. Yeah, but, like playing yeah, parties got, and stuff. It, it got to the point where he was way better than everyone else, so we just was just like, "Fuck, you got to play as the predator, dude." <laughs> 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 you just can't be. And no one else could be the alien. Like you could try, but it's very difficult.
0: It was. Because you get whole disoriented so easily. Right, and I mean the predator and the marine were pretty. Comparable, you know, as far as like ranged weapons and stuff like that. And the fact that they can range. only see in one, like, you know, they've got a definitive up and down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The alien, yeah, climbing all over shit and hiding and pouncing and yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, that's it. And then I, I played some multiplayer matches and there's some new units, which is good to shake up like this, you know, there, there's a, a certain strategy for most, the most part, like pro strategy that a lot of people follow. Um, so it's kind of cool to have these new units in here to, to mix things up. Um, I'm not really gonna go in depth about it. You guys don't know the units and I'm not sure how many listeners are super hardcore StarCraft Two fans, so uh not gonna really talk too much about that. Is but is a monkey, cool. is a monkey
1: one of the it. units? No. Is there no, a panda? No, there's that's no to
0: be a panda. I mean that's more of a a Warcraft kind of thing. <laughs> a lot of mechs and, and things like that. But yeah, so that's StarCraft two, Heart of the Swarm. I'm loving it. I've love StarCraft games from the start, so all about it. Uh, Zach, you've been playing Castlevania, if I'm not mistaken.
1: I have, beat it last night. Uh, it's I know we've,
0: a, we've got a, we've got a segment on this episode talking about it, but, yeah, but what's, I'm going to keep it take? quick,
1: I, I don't want to take away from that, but, uh, no, it's a good game. I mean, it, I've been, uh, reading more reviews as they came out. Polygon just came out with theirs today, which is unusually late, but whatever. Uh, they, just like, um, who was it, 1-Up? I think it was one up. Just yeah, like,
0: Jeremy Parrish reviewed it for one up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so, somebody gave it like a four just because it wasn't Symphony of the Night. Polygon kind of kind of went the same way. uh And no, it's you know it, it's not it's not Symphony of the Night, but it's, it's gotta it has gotta feel bad for has, every Castlevania game that's not Symphony of the Night. I know Symphony exactly. <laughs> it's, if you want to play Symphony of the Night, you can you can play it and and every other Game Boy Advan- uh, Advance and DS game. Um, but look, I mean, this is a different game. It's, it's very much a, uh, I, I'd say it's a 2D God of War.
3: I mean, that's what oh, okay. it feels like.
1: Uh, the, the combat's very similar and there's a dodge mechanic and you pull cranks and, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, if you take it for what it is, it's actually very good. Uh, my only problem with it is that you switch between three characters, Simon, Trevor, and, uh. I mean, it's out on the internet now. Um uh, Alucard, uh, is introduced know. in the game. And, and they all have different, I mean, their, their base movesets are the same, but they all have different magic and different items. So, kind of by the time you really get used to playing as one guy, you, you switch to another. And he has a different, you know, bunch of stuff. So that's, that's a little disconcerting, but overall it's very good level structure and, uh, there's tons of items to find, health upgrades and uh, things like that. So uh, I'm doing a lot of backtracking. In fact, once you beat the game, uh, you can go back in and replay as any character, and it'll tell you which rooms still have things to find.
2: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah.
1: And uh, I'm finding that some of Simon's items are really well hidden, or uh, hard to get to, I should say. You can see them, but you can't see how you're supposed to get them. Uh, and it looks good. It looks great in 3D. Better in 3D than 2D. Um, and the music's good. And I, I, I don't know why people hate on this game. It's very, very good. Because it's not Symphony of the yeah, Night. It's not, Symphony exactly. Of the... And it's
2: not, it's not that it's not even Symphony of the Night. It's also not like an EGA Castlevania game. I think that's the bigger issue is that like people didn't shit on, you know, Dawn of Sorrow or the other DS ones because they were all basically EGA games.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, harmony of dissonance even had an inverted castle. Yeah, you know. I'll
2: tell you the truth that I have zero interest in this game because it is not any Castlevania game. Oh, good for you.
1: (laughs) I'm part (laughs) of the problem.
0: I feel like if they had released just another type of those games, that it it still wouldn't have reviewed very well. Like I still feel like it would have got probably the same range of reviews as people have just said, "Well, been there, been there, done that." Like this is very familiar. It's good if you're a fan, often. But, you know, like it's kind of like they were damned either way. So uh, good for them to try something different. And I mean, you enjoyed it, so
1: I did. And the in the story, uh, you know, uh, the story is actually good. I mean, considering the end of the first Lords of Shadow, this is a very good continuation of that. And uh actually, at the very end of the game, uh, you kind of start to wonder how the second uh, Lords of Shadow is actually going to start.
0: So it kind of t- it ties into to both of them, then.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. Well,
0: that's cool. Yeah. I was going to gonna make a
2: joke, but I know that Neil already made that joke on the other segment about the game having two subtitles.
1: Yeah, it has. Yeah, yeah. that's terrible. Castlevania
2: <laughs> colon Lords of Shadow hyphen Mirror of Fate. <laughs> I, Mirror I heard somebody,
1: I forget what website it was, but somebody made, made it even longer just as a joke. It was like Castlevania Lords of Shadow Mirror of Fate uh, Retribution Revengeance or something. The year edition. Yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's bad. Cool. All right. Well, I think that does it for what we've been playing. That does it for the one listener mail we got. Um. So send so us more listener mail. Exactly. Connectivity at com. We will answer anything. Even I don't know dating advice. I want you know I want Zach to give dating advice. If you have dating advice questions, send them in, and we're gonna do Zach's corner. And I would really love to hear Zach give dating. Yes. advice. I
1: married my first serious girlfriend.
0: Well there you go, so you know he's got uh... I already lost <laughs> so um yeah well thanks guys for being here and um we'll talk to you guys later
1: you might later. say my wife lost <laughs> <laughs>
3: games. For an even longer time, Nintendo Systems gave no option to download full retail games. Today, gamers have the choice to download games or buy physical copies. Joining me, Zach Kaplan, to talk about their thoughts on retail and the sales of games are Josh Max, Yo Ho and Tyler, who I can't pronounce his last name.
4: <laughs> uh, o- <laughs> uh,
3: Olu. Olu. Tyler Olu. Alright, so what do you want to talk about first? Actually, I have a list of what we're going to talk about. <laughs> Um, do you guys prefer digitally downloading your games or physically buying them? Uh, well,
5: I, if if I may go first, um, sure, because I I feel like I have a prepared response. Um, I am staring at a stack of games. I love having physical games. I do, but recently uh, all the games I've bought in recent memory have been digital, including Fire Emblem, which I will be sure I'll talk about many times because it is the first fully like the first full Nintendo game. I ever, you know, paid for, like, the 3DS, for, like, completely digital downloaded, and that's because I just couldn't find a physical copy when on launch day. Nobody had it, and I, I really, really wanted to play it, and so I did it, and I was, I can't, I gotta say, I'm very, very happy with the results. I really am. Uh, and uh, although, you know, again, I, I love having the physical games, recently, digital has been very, very kind to me.
4: Um, for me, it's definitely physical uh I don't know where exactly, so hopefully uh it's more of like an open podcast. Everyone has different feelings, but um, <laughs> I'm like physical like all the way. It has to be physical, so, or like I don't want it. I think I feel really bad if i don't um, I just recently bought. Valkyrie Chronicles 2, because I can't on, for PSP digitally, because I can't find it for a good price new. It's, like, super expensive. And I feel like a bag of shit. Like, I don't like it. Like, I don't like not owning something physically. There's something about... There's something about it, like the manual and the case. I like seeing my collection. I like owning it. And I guess it's just the safety net of knowing, like, I can always play it. Like, I don't need to worry about some weird thing of, or, like, <clears throat> on like on online drm and i can't play it and or something happens and the light the rights are lost and then you i miss the chance to buy it so i can't buy it anymore just weird stuff like that so physical for sure. or
3: you could have a fire hurricane tornado that happened once it was terrible i had to pee it out true story okay well personally we're gonna be three three four three because I love my games physically like I love my woman physically not digitally. <sighs> um
5: it is the future. This is the future.
3: Well, see, I'm looking at like like Josh, a stack of games. I have over 53 DS games on my shelf, which I've been told is crazy. Um That's like everything then, right? Let me let me just if we can go on a side t- if I can go on a side tangent quickly, I have most obscure games I have are Madden NFL, which on the 3DS is obscure. Uh, Ace Combat, Assault Horizon Legacy, and I even own Cars 2. Cars? Oh, I didn't even know that Cars 2 came out on the 3DS.
4: That, you own everything. You own everything. I I, I was hoping it was going to be like 49 copies of Steel Diver to, of Steel Diver, and then like one. Like,
3: <laughs> oh, I wish I had Steel Diver too. Yeah,
4: I know. I slipped up there. I got you too excited. I didn't mean to do that to you. Yeah.
5: Guys, when does Cars 2
3: come out? It came out last two years ago.
5: I I mean I it was announced, but <laughs> fine. You know what? I don't even care anymore. Let's just keep it. It was, Let's go it on was with Pixar's the podcast, last
3: to last movie.
5: You know what? All I know is that new Star Wars is coming and that's all that matters.
3: Fuck yeah. Alright, so we all like buying our games physically, but we don't always have the best experiences at stores. So Personally, my GameStop experiences have been okay. I go there, the people are nice. I have this guy named, well, I won't name him, like because I don't want to get him in trouble or something. But he's pretty nice, and he always, when I come in there, he's always like, hey, dude, how's it going? Want to buy some games? Want to pre-order this? Want a Game Informer subscription? And it's kind of annoying, but pretty much it's nice. I've never had any problems. The only place I have problems buying is like at, Walmart, but I have a bevy of problems with Walmart, so that's another story. What about you Tyler um
4: i don't know i don't i, I it's, oh god I hope not everything's so boring, but uh I've had nothing but like good experiences i don't know if it's just like my area like they're very um keen on hiring smart people they're not you know it's not like you have like you or I behind the counter where like the guy's gonna know like all 50, uh, own 50 3DS games, and he's going to know that that Cards 2 came out on the 3DS. That's not going to happen. But in general, like, uh, there's got, like, they know what they're talking about. If I if I want to pre-order a game, they know what I'm talking about. Uh, if, um, if I call, and they'll put stuff aside for me. So pretty good, pretty good. Um, I guess it is more like the bigger retails that I have problems with. Like, <clears throat> I think I was dumb, and I think, like, uh, what was it? I was trying to track down, like, uh, Shin Megami Tensei, one of the Shin Megami Tensei titles at like a Best Buy, and it was like they had no idea what I was talking about. I think it was Radiant Historia actually. And uh, They sort of in stock. They don't know what you're talking about, and I should, I knew I should have pre-ordered I just slipped up on it. Tracked it down eventually, but just the bigger stuff I have problems. problem with. EB Games, totally fine. I don't know. They, it's like, they just speak my language more than bigger retail, but they get more shit from <clears throat> the most of the community than anyone else does, so.
3: What about you, Josh?
5: Uh, what about me? Uh Goodness. Well, Zach, I know you've heard this before. I know we've we've ranted and raved time and time again. But I, I've had a mixed bag. At a GameStop, I've never had too much trouble. The one time I went in to try to reserve Fire Emblem, a month ahead of time, the g- <laughs> guy who worked there said, Fuck you! You're an idiot! I can't believe you tried to reserve it a month before it came out! We stopped taking a reserve months ago, when it was first announced! And I was like, oh, well, shit. Uh, thanks. I guess I've been out of the, the reserving game for far too long. And I left. And then I came back the next week just being like, hey, so you got any more art books that I can buy that maybe somebody didn't pick up? And the lady who was running the store who ran that game stop said, no, I'm really sorry. Like, I know I saw you and you, the like, guy yelled at you and he shouldn't have. And, you know, please come back. And, you know, we, we you <laughs> want to reserve a Tyrion Odyssey? Because, you know, we, we got a few more of those left and I'm not telling too many people. And I'm like, no, it's cool. I mean, I'm <laughs> going to get it, but I don't have any money. And she's like, oh, it's okay. You know what? I'm going to put one aside under your name anyway. Just, you know, come by. And I'm like, oh, my God, nicest lady ever. I'm never going to pick it up. It's so nice. (laughs) Yeah, that guy
4: sounded like a real butthole. That's weird.
5: Yeah, no, he, he, yeah, he smelled like an ass too. So, but aside from that, I pretty much just dealt with uh, a small gaming company, a small gaming store called Gamers Grotto, where they've just, they, you know, buy and sell used games. They've all been really nice, and the one time I reserved something with them, they had it literally with my name on it when I picked it up that day. But aside from that, Walmart is terrible because so they never get anything online, and I hate them. And Kmart has been surprisingly awesome. <laughs> I get there, 8 in the morning, for the new Pokemon, getting the 3DS both times, and they say, well, what kind do you want? And I go, black both times, because I like my games like I like my women. Strong. Yes, that's racist. Strong. What? I said strong. 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 Strong gaming system. Strong game. Love them both. Is it
3: racist, I assume, the other thing? Yeah,
5: extremely so. All right. I just think that they were, that you know, 3DS strong system holding itself up. Pokemon Black, strong game. Reinvented the genre to a degree. Not reinvented, but breathed new <laughs> life into it. Moving on. And you're racist. And back to Kmart being awesome. I get there in the morning. There's either one time there was a very young woman. The other time there was a very old woman. They both helped me. They were very kind. And another person showed up both times and said, hey, can I get one, too? And they said, sure, can. I'm in the back room. I'm going to grab you both one. And I'm going to ring you both up. It's going to be great. You guys are going to go off and have a great day. And I'm like, you know what, Kmart? I am going to have a great day. Thanks to you. And I'll boop its nose, tussle its hair. Tossle its hair. I'm sorry, use the word wrong word. And then you know, well, I'll just go off my merry way.
3: Well, when I go into any game store, well, actually around me it's only GameStop. But when I go into GameStop, it's assault. It's an assault on all my senses because there's the smells of the gamers in there. You know, there's always the creepy old guy in there who's like shouldn't be in there. Not not because he's old, but. Because, you know... know. He likes children. Oh, wow, Um, okay.
5: I thought, you know, you were going to go...
3: No, but I go in there, and first there's the Wii U games, and I'm like, ooh, Nintendo Land. Ooh, Batman Arkham City. Then I see the 3DS games, then I see the Nintendo DS games, and then I see the PlayStation Vita games, and I'm like, hmm, that's sad. And then I go back to the 3DS games, and so I see everything, and it's... The worst part is actually trying to not buy everything and the hard part is i don't have any money either so (laughs) i mean i guess it makes it easy not to buy anything and being a 16 year old who has to who can't drive and sometimes relies on like my parents to bring me there they get upset when i'm at the counter and i spend 350 dollars on a wii u and they ask me if i want to pre-order anything that's kind of weird but you know what are you gonna do I don't know. Yeah. They get, I think, <clears throat> they get a lot of shit for
4: <clears throat> this whole, like, like, pre-ordering and the magazine and stuff like that, but I don't really see it as much as an issue. Um, I find, like, at least with in my case, like, if I get to know the person well enough, like, they don't even ask anymore, like, and I'm sure they're supposed to. Um, but, you know, I guess after, like, the millionth time, like, you're not, you're not going to get yes or you're not going to get, like, the, the protection or anything like that. Like, I don't need it. Very cool. In and out. Not very long, so I like it.
3: The best part, I think we can all agree. Well, actually, we might not agree. I mean, I don't know what Josh is going to think. But I like pre-ordering games at these game stores because of the pre-order bonuses. What about you guys?
5: Nope, not even a little bit.
3: What about free DLC?
5: With with what game? With, with, With what game would I want the free DLC for that I wouldn't? Already, like, you know, but uh, like, I, those kinds of games, like, I'm not gonna buy Call of Duty ever. Or any, or, or Medal of Honor or anything like that. That I'm like, hey, you're gonna get a free, you're gonna free bonus pack, you're gonna get a, a free alternate costume, you're gonna get a free whatever. And I'm like, I don't, I don't care. Like, that's not gonna, that's not the deciding factor for me about whether or not I'm gonna buy a game. I mean, don't get me wrong, like, you know, I, I pre-ordered Pokemon because I wanna play it the day of, and when I pick it up and they go, hey, Genesect? Hey Victini and I'm like yes thank you that is really nice of you guys.
4: Tyler um I pre order everything like I like to I, I like to think that I'm really just pre ordering <laughs> atlas titles or something but no I do everything. I think it's just for me it's it's almost like layaway uh, which is not very cool um, but you know you can just you know put 5 dogs down and just pick at a pick away at it. I don't ever want to be in it. like I am 20 years old. I have a family. Two daughters a house I can't I don't know what if I'm gonna have sixty dollars the next time i on the on like the on like the eighteenth for uh, Lego city undercover like i I don't know that so I can just pick away it's good and as far as like preorder bonuses go that's just like icing like that's cool i'm not gonna I'm not gonna be going around to <laughs> all the places and pruing at every place just to get the DLC then return the game and hope that they don't have a fit about it. But it's just good to have. I don't mind it. I'm not gonna have a fit if if they have a cooler DLC at somewhere where I don't want to go. I just deal with it. It's not a big deal. Um, as a Nintendo gamer, like maybe it's something you don't encounter as much, especially since Nintendo doesn't really seem to do anything um as far as printer bonuses go, very infrequently. But you know, maybe a pin or something. Um, but you know, just recently, yeah, like you get um, those
5: at Comic Con.
4: <laughs> uh, I just recently did, like, Middlegate Rising. There was, like, a free, like, costume for in And then uh, something else was uh, uh, Anarchy Reigns in January. There was, like, EB Games had, like, exclusive Bayonetta character in a mode for multiplayer. So
3: every now and then I'll pick
4: up something cool, but I'm not going to go out of my way. But I just like puriting just so I can pick away at it and not have to worry about one big lump sum right away.
3: I like when they give out the free swag, you know, free stuff. Ugh. And
5: <laughs> Did you just go, look swag. <laughs> oh my yeah. god, when they give out free stuff, yeah. it yes. me.
3: No. Um,
5: Who the fuck do they think they are?
3: No, I like it because I get, like, Lego City Undercover, I'm going to get a free minifigure. Sure, it's not an exclusive minifigure, <laughs> but it's free, and I get it on my birthday, by the way, which is the 18th. Yay, me. <laughs> Wait, and, the day
5: after St. Paddy's Day?
3: Yeah, I get that a lot. I'm not Irish. Don't ask about what? (laughs) About why I'm not Irish. I get asked that. Why aren't you Irish? Okay, don't ask. Yeah, Tyler,
5: are you Irish?
3: No. He's Canadian. (laughs) Are you? Yeah.
5: Awesome. Hey, I'm like a quarter Canadian. (laughs) Whoa! It's crazy small world. Canada World Report. What up? So how is so? EB Games is still around in Canada, huh?
4: That's, like, the main thing. They did try to do a change. I uh, like we're bringing it back on topic. Nice. Uh, they did try to change it over to GameStop, and then it was weird, and you'd be like, there's, like, a GameStop and EB Games in the same store. You used to, they used to have GameStop.ca for the website, and now it's just, like, it all it just goes back to EB Games. Like, it was a total, just probably, like, just confusion. Like, <laughs> it was really dumb. So, anyways, yeah.
5: No, that's, that's good to hear. I, I used to do EB Games a lot. And then yeah, Electronics Boutique. I remember when just, it was still that. Yeah, just, like, Suncoast, where I always got all my DVDs. Yeah. <laughs> Are there Suncoasts in Canada?
4: I don't think so. I don't know. Half the store, when I, when you listen to these re- people with retail stories of, like, going to Target and getting Pokemon Black 2 for, like, a dollar or something, like, that never happens here. Like, I never get really hot deals or anything. It's just the same. Maybe, like, save, like, ten bucks or something. It's terrible.
3: Um, Going into the future. We can't avoid the future. I mean, I've tried, but it just keeps coming and coming. That was an awful joke. But where do we see retail retailers going in the future?
4: Um, I guess it depends. <clears throat> it kind of depends on this whole like weird next Xbox thing with not using online, uh, not using you playing used games and stuff like that. But, um, but you know, they still like as much as their business is about used games, um, uh, like EB games. Um, it's, New new retail products is still a big big part of their business, and I'm sure it'll be they'll be damaged by the fact, but the Wii U plays plays used games. We all know that, so no really big no big foul there, um, but. As far as they exist, like I'll be doing it. I don't like owning retail, I mean physical, um, oh my god, digital, digital, as I said, but um, I don't really see them going anywhere, like maybe there'll be closures, maybe there won't be so many, like when you go into a single mall and there's three EB games, like that'll probably stop happening. Uh, there really isn't a need for it now, uh, but... Um,
5: so not only I, do you have EB games, you have an abundance of EB games.
4: Yeah, it's, it's pretty silly. I think it's like if you stand outside of the Toronto Eden Center, you can see two of them, and then there's one inside. So it's kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> well, no, yeah. Basically, in summary, I don't see them going... Uh, Anywhere differently I think it's a really Cutthroat business I've seen uh, Like uh, The weirdest companies Start selling video games Like Drug Like you know Drug stores And uh, convenience stores And staples And you know Right beside the paper And they have video games And it just flops And you can tell There's not a lot of money To be made So (laughs) There has to be more Incentives for gamers And just EB Games has that pull Where they can say Well we're going to order This many copies of your game what period or bonus can we have exclusively? So I don't really see it going anywhere. I don't want it to go anywhere. I don't want to buy digital. So
5: uh, here's hoping that it continues.
3: Josh, where do you see the future of retail going?
5: I think retail gaming is here to stay. I think that there is something to be said about going to a, a store and being able to go, oh, well, yeah, here's Yakuza 4 for $4. Of course I'm going to pick that up. Or here's the first Valkyria Chronicles for Markdown from the original 20 to like 15 like, and there's something to be said, because I'm always, you know, I have games I'm never going to play again. I know that. Like, I played them. I didn't love them. They were fun. They had their time, and I don't think any of my friends are going to use them. So I'll trade them in. So either I can get cold hard cash so I can go drinking, or that makes me sound like an alcoholic. I'm not going to deny it, but I'm not going to admit it either. Or I can trade it in towards the next great game. Like, it's I, Lollipop Chainsaw 2.
3: No More Heroes 4. Anything? Steel Diver too? Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. I was just
5: going with the suit fifty one, but you know what? Okay, Steel Diver too. Well, maybe still, not. Still know. diving. Steel, steel diving. I like that. Is that an actual thing? <laughs> still, no. Like can oh. that. Still
3: diving.
4: I, I think there's something to say for just wanting to browse in a store. Like, uh, I'm sure you guys feel the same way. I know what's coming out. I know when it's coming out. I know what I'm gonna buy, but I still like going into the store and thinking I'm gonna find something cool, thinking I'm gonna to see some weird deal. And like you said, you're gonna go in, and you're gonna be like, "Oh my God, Yakuza Four is five dollars." I bought it when it was sixty, but it's five dollars now, so that's pretty cool.
5: Yeah, um, or or I, like I found the Afro Samurai video game. I didn't get it, but I wanted to. <laughs> I didn't even know that existed.
3: I didn't either.
5: I well, really want it.
3: You should get it for yourself. If I
5: can't find it anymore.
3: Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I see the future of retail. While it may not be as bright of a future as it would have been, like, say, 10 years ago, with digital gaming just being such a staple of the gaming industry, I still don't think it's going anywhere. You still have that personal experience that you get by going to a physical store. But anyways, that's what I think. Final words, guys. Tyler?
4: uh <laughs> I thought about this I thought about this kind of late uh if uh retail's not going to go anywhere it's kind of almost silly to talk about it when you know Call of duty sells more and more copies every single year, and that's not taking anywhere close to what digital sells so I mean it's very very healthy sales are sales go down, but they're still super strong, so it'd be silly to think it's going anywhere anytime soon.
3: Josh, any final words? I think we
5: will live in the digital world where each person will get their own personal digital monster, a Digimon, if you will, and we will go on a great... No, it's Retail is here to stay. Uh, I'm completely with Tyler on this one. Like, just look at the numbers. Numbers don't lie. Um, uh, There's a joke in there. I'm just going to leave it be, though. I think Retail is here to stay. I think that digital is fun, especially in places like, you know, like in cities where sometimes all the places that you usually go to are just sold out. You're going to like, you know, it's nice to still know you can still get that game on launch day. You know, it may just be like two extra dollars or maybe two dollars less. But the, You know, I think it's a nice option, but I don't think it's going to overturn anything anytime soon.
3: So the consensus here is retailers are good. Retailers are here to stay. Get ready for Steel Diver 2. Thanks for listening.
6: of shadow hyphen mirror fate uh, it's a new 3ds game developed by Mercury Steam who are responsible for the first Lords of Shadow and also the upcoming sequel. Um, none of those games are for a Nintendo platform, which begs the question why the fuck did they even make this on 3ds anyway? <laughs> we might not be able to answer that. I think there might be an interview in which they said they liked it more than Vita um, well, but we're gonna Vita talk about it anyway, selling. yeah. Uh, I'm Neil Ronahan and I have yet to play this game, but own it. And we're going to talk with Nate Andrews, who reviewed it for NWR quite favorably, and Zach Miller.
1: I do not drink wine.
6: <laughs> okay. I mean, uh-huh. I know, I know you like, Have you stopped drinking Mountain Dew, Zach? Largely. Oh, wow. You used to subsist almost entirely on that.
1: I know. Diabetes will do that to you.
6: Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, so yeah, we're gonna talk about some Castlevania. So first, uh, Nate and Zach, what did you guys, or I guess, what did slash do you guys like about this game and why does it work?
7: Um, okay, well, when I started playing it, uh, I wasn't sure what direction it was trying to go in. Um, when they, it was like E3 when they revealed it, right this year or last year. Uh, yeah, I think it was.
6: I think it was right around then. I think there was a Nintendo Power cover story. Yeah, right there was. E3?
7: And so I think at that point they were kind of hyping or portraying uh, the combat of it more so than anything else, which make it, that makes sense uh, if you're showing it at like a a convention or something where where you know you have very little time to do anything. But. um... I, I was kind of worried that it would be all that and not very much emphasis on um, creating an environment or anything else that Castlevania is kind of known for. Yeah. But no, I, I really like the way that it um, it puts the player in a, a very specific world. You know, it's 2D, so there's only so much they can do with um, size and stuff like that, but it, in platforming and getting around the castle it it looks very good and it's fun
1: to get through. There is a good sense of scale. Yeah. I mean there's some large set pieces and whenever you're outside of the castle um wandering around on the I don't know ramparts or something it it, yeah. it is really big.
6: I do love from what I
7: played of the the demo last week which was basically the E3 demo again. What's uh um, I haven't I haven't played that or the E3 demo. What does it contain? It's,
1: it's Trevor Belmont just about Ten minutes of Trevor Belmont wandering through the castle.
6: Yeah, but when you when you go up to the castle, like there is that really nice sense of scale. Mm-hmm. And while I wasn't in love with what I played in the demo, um, and it seems from that uh, kind of exactly your reaction to the the final game, and also what Nate says about it, is that it seems like that demo might not be the best demo to highlight everything about the game. No. Um, and that's what kind of makes me hopeful for when I finally dive into the game because Although what it I is, want is it
1: the, is very you know, combat heavy, Neil. Uh, like God of War, combat heavy,
6: yeah, but is the com- is the combat good, and does it improve throughout the game?
7: uh, I think it's good. I've seen some reviews that say that um point out like a sluggishness in the controls or problems with the frame rate, but I didn't think either of those were an issue, or no, the only problem I've all.
1: had is that sometimes the enemy won't take damage, even though I'm clearly hitting it,
7: well, yeah, sometimes it's. They might be blocking or something like that.
1: Oh no, they're not even blocking. Like the oh, mannequins, no. <laughs> the mannequins I have oh. a big problem with it. You'll just hit them and hit them, and and sometimes they just won't take any damage. It's like it's like they have to be. In, they're in a specific. It animation. might be a spacing
7: thing. Yeah. 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 It is. It is very animation heavy, especially with uh, like blocks and grabs and stuff like that.
1: Right. Although but I'm not seeing a drop in frame rate when I go to 3D. Maybe it's just me.
7: No, I think it's pretty consistent throughout.
1: Yeah. I like all the sub weapons. I mean, they have the classic sub weapons, but kind of with a new twist.
7: Yeah, they don't go overboard with that stuff, which I really like. Uh, it, it's just mapped to uh, the D pad, so you can you know swap between powers really quickly. And there are some yeah. fights that that take advantage of that really well.
1: Yeah, especially with Alucard.
7: Yeah, yeah, switching back and forth between like light and dark, I think, is the distinction. So who who do you play as? Um...
6: Because it, it what? It's Trevor, Alucard, and, and Simon. Simon. Okay. Is for, it, and they're
1: all guys. Scottish. I
6: thought yeah. there were four.
1: Uh, well, at well, the ca- very beginning of the prologue, you play as Gabriel for Gabriel. Two Oh,
6: okay, okay. Yeah,
7: all right. you, you pretty much go through a tutorial by walking right Forward. and like killing some small enemies.
1: Yep.
6: Okay, because I could have sworn like there was that emphasis on like you play as yeah. four characters, but I guess it's like you play as three and then there's this joke where it's just like, ah, he's in it.
7: Yeah, they tossed him in there and like in promotional material, but there's very little of you playing as him. I um, can't tell
1: if that little prologue's supposed to take place uh before or after the end of Lords of Shadow.
7: It's specific it's specifically says that it's before, like so many years before the Lords of Shadow. Oh, okay. So how does this
6: fit into Lords of Shadow? Is it just basically it's a prequel? Uh,
1: I no, it's a think sequel. Parts... It is a sequel because. Oh yeah, when, it would have to be. Yeah. yeah, Simon meets Gabriel. He's whatever.
7: I haven't played Lords of Shadow, so I don't know. I don't know what's significant about can that I, aside from Can I from spoil the it for you? I know. Um, the, if uh, you yeah, I know if, if you have any okay. Yeah, I guess if you have
6: any intention of playing the first Lords of Shadow, uh come back in a minute or two. It's
1: like four years old. There's a statue of limitations here.
7: <laughs> Still.
1: Gabriel turns into Dracula. What? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God.
7: Yeah, he's basically who you're fighting some of the time in this game.
1: But of so. course, before he turned into Dracula, his uh his wife, unbeknownst to him, had a son, and she named that son Simon. I don't think Simon knows that he's his dad.
7: Uh he doesn't i don't think
1: yeah.
7: at any part in this game
1: nice they, they don't go
7: overboard with all the story stuff either it's very it's light there's not much of it but yeah. it's also not great i'm glad there's not much
1: <laughs> I'm, gl- I'm glad there's more than a typical castlevania game as in none
6: <laughs> I, I guess a, i mean it's a terrible night to have a curse etc etc <laughs>
7: Yeah, um, I thought some of the cutscenes they do are visually interesting. It's kind of like a heavy black, um, almost, like, comic book sort of look, but...
1: Yeah, like a moving comic. Yeah. But there's not, not a whole lot goes on in them. No,
7: not at all. So
1: how does the exploration
6: kind of work in this game? Like, is it, I mean, I guess, like, what, in the in the scheme of Metroidvanias, hmm. what would be this game's closest relative?
7: Um, I don't know, there's not, uh, there's not much actual exploration, it has the, like the basic grid map on the bottom screen that you can look at, right? and there are some areas that you'll have to go back to, or not have to, but, uh,
1: that's the thing, backtracking is like entirely optional in this game.
7: Right, because the environments you go through are pretty linear, and you go through most parts of them. Um, on the specific path that it sets out for you. There are some that you can go back to once you get, like, uh, the combat cross. You can climb up a wall or swing across or something to get, uh, one of the, like, notes for XP and power ups like that. But for the most part, uh, it's a pretty strict, uh, run through, uh, distinct areas.
1: And you can, if you come across something. Uh, if Like, if you come across an area where you think, well, I'll have that power later on, you yeah. can actually make a note on the map. Uh, be That's sure to come back here with your wolf form or something. I really didn't Man, I love,
6: that. I love the future. I love the future.
7: <laughs> it, I thought that was strange considering that everything else is pretty much marked automatically on your map.
6: So, um, some reviews have kind of criticized this game a lot. How do you guys feel about uh, the critiques that they've made?
7: Uh, Well, some specifically... I, there's a pretty favorable, favorable uh, streak of reviews that I've seen. Some, I think, get a little bit hung up on the Castlevania legacy, uh, specifically, like, Symphony of the Night and others like that, and how this, you know, matches up to each specific part of that, like the story or the exploration... Or, you know, the tightness of the mechanics or whatever. Um, I've seen a lot of that. I don't know that I agree with most of it. I don't have that much Castlevania experience, but I can kind of see where they're coming from.
6: I mean, for me, it just kind of seems like... (laughs) It's almost like whatever game that Mercury Steam made, they'd probably get shit for from some people. Because they're not going to make the Egovania games. They're not. I mean, they're they're not that that team that made those games for like a decade. You know, they're not people that are heavily. In, I mean, they're inspired by Symphony of the Night, but they are striving to kind of do something different. And
1: how dare they? Yeah. Yeah.
6: I mean, it is the kind of thing where, like, it, I mean, it's kind of like Metroid: Other M, which I mean, love it or hate it, but. It was a game that tried to do something slightly different, and people jumped down its throat because, I mean, that they have good reasons for doing that. But still, like that game wasn't Super Metroid, and thus it failed. And this game isn't Symphony of the Night, so thus it failed.
7: I think it's an easy comparison to draw between uh, the differences that people see in this game and the things that it's not when you compare it to the old Castlevanias. And so, with people get that in mind, they start, you know, being a little bit. I don't want to say unfair, but they kind of gloss over some of the things that this game kind of does really well. Um, Yeah. Better. Yeah.
1: Well, and and there's a lot of symphony in this, like, when you're Alucard, you have your wolf form and your gas form, and, uh, you know, I assume you get a bat form, because I have one more slot. No? Well, whatever. You must get something else, let's say that. And, uh, and he's got, you know, he's got white hair. He's clearly Alucard. People really whine about this stuff. But, look, if you want to play Symphony of the Night, you can do that. You can also play all of the DS and and GBA games.
6: A little harder to find, but true.
1: Huh. Yeah. I mean, this game, just like, you know, people bitched and moaned about Lords of Shadow too. Oh, they're making Castlevania into God of War. Well, I think that game works pretty well for what it I is. I think it was too long. It is too long,
6: but... Because I tried playing it and got to a point where I did hear that, like, I think the second half of the game, it really picks up, but I, I did not get to that point.
1: Yeah, no, but, I mean, if if you accept Lords of Shadow for, like, a reimagining of Castlevania, which it is, yeah. it's a perfectly good game. And this is a perfectly good reimagining of a 2D Castlevania game.
6: So, so Nate, you've, have you played Symphony of the Night?
7: Uh, Very little. I think okay. I bought it on uh Xbox at some point. Yeah. But...
6: It is uh I mean not not to get not to get you down the train of <laughs> being like, well, this game retroactively is not Symphony of the Night, so I will make it a four. Um four point
1: five.
6: Yeah. But uh I mean you should totally play that game. That game's fucking yeah. amazing.
7: No, I've played a lot of the, the DS and Game Boy Advance
1: games as well. Yeah. I actually played most of those before I played Symphony of the Night. Really? I, I take yeah. it you
6: didn't play it until it came out on PSN, right?
1: Uh, yes, correct. I actually yeah. didn't play it until, um, I got it on the, uh, whatever that PSP Castlevania compilation is. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
6: I thought of getting that many, many times, but I, I haven't yet because I can get it on Vita. It's really but, good. Uh, I, got, I got Symphony of the Night, um,. I got Symphony of the Night on XBLA like the day it came out, and I believe I was halfway through the inverted castle part of it, Second and then of my, the system, game, yeah. Yeah, my system bricked, and then I lost my save file, and cool. I've never beaten it. However, a friend of mine did beat it on my 360, and I watched him, so it has, I guess if that you, half counts.
1: The, the great thing about Symphony is that, I don't want to derail this our topic too much, but if you level up frequently, and you have good equipment, which is not hard to find, you can beat the final boss in like Five seconds. Yeah,
6: it's very true. Um, But yeah, I mean, Symphony of the Night's a fantastic game, and in all honesty, I've never been super over-the-moon crazy about all the GBA and DS ones. I've played a good chunk of them, but not quite all of them.
1: They're all great, except Portrait yeah. of Ruin. That's a piece of crap, but...
6: Yeah. But, so do you guys have any kind of final thoughts to tell any potential Castlevania fans that might be on the fence with this game?
7: Uh, I would say, uh, unless you're uh, incredibly set in your Castlevania ways, to give this a try, um, at least the demo. If it immediately turns you off with combat or whatever is in the demo, then, you know, that's fine. But I, I think this game uh is a really... A uh, solid interpretation of some of the Castlevania themes. There, it's not going to be the same as uh, those that came before it, or you know, the ones that everybody, you know, springs to. But I, I think it's it's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I give it a chance. Don't 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 just go for the negative reviews. You got to give it a chance for yourself.
6: Yeah. Um, right after I finish, right after I finish recording this, I might go and play it. It is is actually
1: kind of a poor demo, in my mind. Yeah, I
6: kind of agree. Like, reading your review and then playing the demo, I was kind of like, what the hell? Yeah. (laughs) This doesn't seem like it makes sense.
1: I was just surprised that they reissued the E3 demo. Yeah. With, like, no changes, except there's the map on the bottom screen now.
6: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah, check out Castlevania Lord. Castlevania colon Lords of Shadow hyphen Mirror of Fate and uh, read the review on NintendoWorldReport.com.
1: It's Castlevania Lords of Shadow. Yeah. Mirror of Fate.
6: <laughs> All right. Yeah. That, that's a show. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.
0: And that will do it for this week's episode of Connectivity. As always, you can send us listener mail to connectivity and uh, If you get a chance, you should rate and review us on iTunes. We'd greatly appreciate it. And uh, be sure to follow all of us on Twitter. Go to uh Look for the Twitter sidebar on the right side of the page, and you'll find all of our handles there. And uh, keep in mind, if you're going to be at PAX East next week in Boston, I uh, will be there hosting a live version of Who Wants to Be Nintendo Air. So if you're around, uh, come by and check the game out, and maybe compete for fabulous prizes. We'll see you guys then.